How is your work life going? Business, home, social? How about your health? Could you make some changes? Of course you could, but how and where to start? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. In this program, we'll help you identify and make the changes in your life that need to be made, and by doing so, increase your potential for success. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi. The focus of our conversation today is a topic that can be daunting, how to conduct a successful career change. What's your motivation for considering or pursuing a career change? Have your priorities shifted with new personal responsibilities, like taking care of aging relatives, attending to your own health, or starting a family? Maybe you're looking to use talents you haven't yet applied to your work or to experience more growth and learning or improve your lifestyle. Regardless of the reasons you're seeking to change your work life, today's episode will offer practical strategies from a recruiter and career coach who's found personal satisfaction and success as a multiple career changer herself. Caroline Seniza Levine is the author of three books, the most recent being Jump Ship, 10 Steps to Starting a New Career. Her active professional life also includes writing weekly career columns, co-managing her own business, teaching at Columbia University, and fitting in its stand-up comedy when she can. Caroline, thanks for joining us virtually from New York City. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Hamza. It's a treat. You talk about changing everything else prior to changing careers, including your current job and relationships. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, most people, they, they think about kind of that next thing and everything's focused on the next thing, but there are so many things that you can do exactly where you are. And it's really important to get your foundation around you in order. Otherwise, some of the problems that you're going to have are going to follow you into your new job. And so when I talk about changing the current job, you know, it isn't to say that you know, if there are things about your current job that, you know, can't change, like you're not interested anymore in the industry or you're not interested anymore in the role you play, you're in sales and you want to be in marketing, you know, obviously that that can't do, you know, a 180 where you are, but you can change things like perhaps if it's your relationship with your boss or with your colleagues or if you feel like you don't make enough money or if you feel like um, you're not getting the prime projects or the prime clients, you know, now would be the time to speak up with that. Because even if you still make a move and you still need to make a move, at the very least, you're practicing setting your boundaries and you're practicing your negotiation skills in an environment where, look, if something goes wrong, you're going to leave anyway. Right. So I do mm-hmm. feel like there are so many things you can do still in your current job, at the very least, to practice skills and to build that foundation. And then I talk about, you know, changing things around your relationships, the way that you manage money, the way that you manage time, including your free time. These are all things that are really outside your career, but are going to help you in your pursuit of your new career. Your relationships, these are, you know, people that support you. These are also going to be people that provide you know, possibly professional leads or professional references for you. So you want to get those relationships in order and start reconnecting with people and shoring up those relationships. In terms of money, maybe you want to start a cash cushion because the job you're going to be looking for, the career that you're trying to change, might be something that's 
lower paying, or it might be something that's volatile. It might be that you want to start your own business and there needs to be an investment there. So again, there are things that you can do outside of the career piece that are going to be so important in your next step, and you want to do that first. Mm-hmm. Caroline, do you find sometimes in working with your clients that as you're guiding them in this process of really thinking through the areas that they can work on adjusting that really might make a difference also in their quality of life where they are, do you find that some people after working on some of those issues actually decide not to make a change? Absolutely. I mean, sometimes, so certainly with the relationship piece, sometimes, you know, you're, you're reconnecting with folks and you're having a good time and you're realizing, oh, you know, it's really just I needed to find some sort of fulfillment and it didn't necessarily have to be on the job. It was with, you know, the people who are all around me. Or another area that I encourage people to change is their free time, the use of their free time. You know, everyone says, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, because they fritter away the time that they do have before work, after work, on the weekends. And so being more proactive and more mindful about how they're spending that time, sometimes that's enough to really say, you know, my job's actually not that bad. And now that I'm finding more fulfillment and happiness in these other areas, you know, I don't need to make such a big shift. Mm-hmm. I guess it's kind of like being in a relationship. Sometimes the pre-existing relationships, the ones have been, that have been with you for a long time, you can have a little bit harder, a little bit of a harder time to really make the shifts that you want to make um, than when you're meeting people for the first time. Yeah, I think sometimes you know with our careers, you know, if we've been in a career for a long time, we might, you know take it for granted or not see kind of what brought us to that career in the first place, what got us excited about that industry or that role or even the company that you're in. And sometimes it's just turning your focus away from that a little bit and focusing on other areas of your life. You can turn back and and start to appreciate again how much you already have. Mm -hmm. It would seem also in your current workplace, there's the possibility that you might have more negotiation power in in a sense to be able to modify your work life. Sure. I think there are a lot of things people can do right where they are. And negotiation isn't even just about the money piece. You know, it's about asking for the projects that you want or the clients that you want or the, you know, maybe more flexibility in time, starting earlier, uh, starting later, um, leaving early certain days, maybe working longer days, you know, the other days of the week. It might be flexibility in terms of location. Or again, it might just be in that day-to-day interaction with management or with your colleagues where it might be just one person, you know, driving you crazy, maybe coming by your office unannounced and, and taking up a lot of your time and, and just taking the time to actually solve these problems, you know, the things that you have in hand and not just basically throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. What are the reasons that you find that many people are looking to make career changes? Well, I think, you know, if you if you solve for all of these problems, you know, sometimes you do have a good situation, you know, where you are and your life is generally in order and yet there is still something 
that is missing. You know, that you, you have outgrown the career that you have. You uh, might be in an industry that no longer feeds your passion, and you might just be more interested in pursuing, um, let's say, nonprofit when you've been a private sector person your whole life or the other way around. Um, or it might be that you want to do something else so that maybe you did start your career in sales or you started your career in finance or you started in operations and you just want to see another part of the business. So I do find that you know your interests change over time and something might have been sparked. Maybe you worked on a project with other people and you realize, oh, I want to be doing that type of a role uh, more in my day-to-day. So there are very good reasons why you might have invested heavily in in one career but still decide that it's worth uh, pivoting and doing something else. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, you might help a client to be able to negotiate a new role within their current organization. Depending on how big the organization is, you know, some organizations are set up that really encourage that lateral movement, so moving uh, from function to function, department to department, or maybe if it's even a big enough corporation that has multiple subsidiaries, you might be able to work in, you know, a sister company or in another region. So there are ways to make a change and make it a smaller change than, you know, having to leave everything behind. Mm-hmm. And what suggestions would you offer to really avoid being in a situation where for some time, let's say a person has felt stagnant in their work and they start to really feel a sense of drudgery? It, it doesn't have to be that extreme, but really just to avoid getting to the point where you feel really burnt out by your work and your transition really isn't as constructive or positive as it could be. And um, I was thinking of, this was, This is an entrepreneurial situation. There was someone who had a restaurant that was successful for many years. And one day, the dishwashers didn't show up. And he was sitting there literally bussing dishes, doing dishes. And he closed the doors of his business that very day. And that was it. And it wasn't necessarily the best ending you know, to a very positive career. And the people who worked with him weren't so pleased about that. So that's kind of more of an extreme example, but I'm just curious about the advice that you would give to really stay connected to where you are and be proactive about doing some exploration and making shifts. Right. Well, unfortunately, you know, what you describe, I mean, yes, I think that's a very extreme example, but most people do have to get burned out or fall into that that sense of drudgery before they decide to do anything. You know, it creeps up on you, and then all of a sudden you just can't take it anymore. And so when I come to a client who really is just burnt out, I mean, it's just very hard to launch an effective search, even the exploration part, because you've got all of that negative energy that really needs to be handled first. And so the first Mm -hmm. thing that I do is I just give them very, very small, what I call experiments, into what brings them joy and fulfillment. You know, I have them write down a list of 100 things, and I force them to get to 100 that they've always wanted to do or experience or have. And I try to get them to check off some of the smaller things on the list just so they can practice that joyous feeling, because sometimes people have just forgotten what that feels like. And so their compass for bigger things like career choice 
isn't going to be working if they haven't, you know, felt for a long time what it's like to feel fulfilled and to feel joy. So, you know, even just small experiments like that will be enough to move the person's, uh, you know, feeling and momentum into something that's more positive, maybe shake loose some of that negative energy, and then we can start focusing on career stuff. Again, you don't want to just jump into the tactical things of, well, how do I resign gracefully, and how do I update my resume, and how do I research companies? You, You want to take a step back and say, okay, well, you know, am I even in that positive enough frame of mind that I can make good decisions. Mm-hmm. What are some of those 100 things that might come up on that list to stimulate joy? Yeah, you know, one of my favorite stories is I, I worked with a client who is in a professional services environment, and it was just a very volatile, you know, very type A environment. He'd be working easily 80-hour weeks, and not only that, there would be these project deadlines that would, you know, throw curveballs all the time. And he was just burnt out, and he couldn't see a way out. He couldn't even fathom, because he was working weekends, he was working late into the evening, and, and he couldn't do some of the other things that my clients will do, like take a class, you know, kind of ease into perhaps a new career. He just didn't have that time. And so one of the things that was on his list was to watch the 100 movies that were listed in the American Film Institute top 100 movies. He always just mm-hmm. wanted to know that he had covered all of those films. And this was actually something that he could do when he was exhausted and coming home, you know, 10 o'clock at night. And the only thing he'd want to do is turn on the TV. So he would be able to download these movies, stream these movies, and watch them one at a time. And it was just something that he could look forward to. It was something that had been on his bucket list anyway. And it actually made him a more interesting person while he was talking to people because he would talk about, you know, the last movie that he saw. And it really was, it was something that was so small, inexpensive, didn't take any extra time out of his schedule. He was just going to be sitting on the couch anyway, recuperating from work. And yet it was enough to give him that lift to then start doing, you know, other types of experiments, reading a little bit more, maybe looking into a company or a type of role. He ended up going to graduate school for a completely different type of job. Um, He realized he loved math. He remembered that he loved math, and he went to grad school for statistics. Mm. I love what you're saying about these strategies also for really freeing up energy and being available and having perspective, that if you're having issues at work and you're feeling taxed and overdrawn, and it's really hard to have the thinking capacity to be able to consider how you can even initiate change, that it gives you kind of an incremental approach to be able to let up some of that tension and free yourself a little bit. Absolutely. I mean, energy is so important from a tactical perspective on your job search. You need that energy to be at your best in an interview, in a networking situation. We've all been in those, you know, cocktail party professional events where, um, you want to be around someone because they have a light about them. They have an attractive quality about them. They're, they're positive. You know, and you want to have that as you go out in the market, so to speak, or launch a business, you know, and start talking to prospective clients. You want people to want to be around you. Mm-hmm. Right, and especially if you're in a role in an environment where you may not be at your best, like you're saying, you really need to be able to connect with 
the value that you bring, the vitality that you have as a career person. Absolutely. And just in the way that you talk about, you know, what interests you, you want to be in touch with that, you know, what interests you, as opposed to the negative pieces of what you're moving away from. We all have what I call a push reason and a pull reason for the changes that we want to make. You know, for career, a push reason might be, I don't feel challenged. I feel topped out. I'm underpaid. I don't like this industry anymore. So I'm being pushed out of it. Might not be pushed out in terms of fired or laid off, but we're being pushed out by something negative. The pull reason is I've always wanted to do this role. I've always wanted to work at this company. Um, I've been meant, you know, I've been destined to do XYZ career. You know, that's the pull reason where there's something that's moving you forward. And you can use, of course, either reason as you explain to a prospective employer or prospective customer, you know, why you're standing in front of them wanting to work with them. But the pull reason is so much more effective. Mm-hmm. We have just a couple of minutes left before we go to a commercial. You shared one great story about one of your clients you worked with. So I'm just curious, just along the lines of this theme of changing everything first, is there another quick story that you could share? Yeah, absolutely. I had someone else I had given that 100 dreams exercise to, and she realized that she had always wanted to have fresh flowers in her environment, that every time she laid out a perfect environment, it would include fresh flowers. And she realized, you know, what's stopping me from doing that now? I think she was always waiting for that promotion or the, the ideal home office. And so she just started bringing fresh flowers to her environment. And every time she did that, one, it gave her a lift right then and there, but it also reminded her that she was in control of how well she did and how well she supported herself. And that just reminded her that she could make the changes that she wanted to make. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point that sometimes we rely a lot on our environment really for inspiration, for direction, for opportunity. And of course, it seems like an important principle for career change that you are a guiding force and a guiding light in your own life. Absolutely. And the flowers are a trigger and a reminder of what could be. I love that visual. We're going to take two for a quick commercial. When we come back, Caroline will share a second key strategy for successfully changing careers. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. 
It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, back with career coach and recruiter Caroline Seniza Levine. We talked about the importance of changing other things in your life prior to changing your career, like your relationships and money habits, in order to set the stage for success in a new opportunity. Another strategy that Caroline suggests is what she calls try a career change light. Carolyn, I'd love to hear more about what you mean by a career change light. Yeah, so you alluded to it a little bit, Hamda, when you mentioned that sometimes you can move within a company from one department to another, and I talked about if the company's big enough, you might be able to move to you know, one subsidiary to another or one region to another. And career change light is along those lines where it's about changing perhaps one area of your career but not everything. If you think about what you do, you work for a specific company, you're in a specific role, you know, you might be an accountant, a marketing person, uh, a writer, etc. And then you have a specific industry that you're serving. So you might be in media or financial services or health and human services. Um, so in a career change light, you change just one of those things. So you might continue to focus on marketing, but instead of doing that in financial services, you do that for um, health and human services, right? So you, you really, you move industries, but you keep kind of what your expertise is. Or it might be, I'm going to stay in financial services, I'm going to stay at my company, but I'm going to move from marketing into sales. And the benefit of, of doing that is, of course, you have less disruption because you're not, everything is not new, and you're also able to build on some of the strengths and some of the credibility that you already have. And sometimes that's going to be enough. You don't have to change absolutely everything to refresh your career. Mm-hmm. Can you walk us through that process? If you're working with a client, let's say if you think about one of the clients you've worked with who has either changed a role or an industry, what are the types of steps that you might go through and what what were the outcomes of that situation? Yeah, so, you know, the first step, of course, is to identify what it is that you want. And so I always tell my clients, especially if they, they're not sure, that they should just pick something, actually, pretty quickly. Because you can always change your mind about um, the list of companies that you're targeting. But as you start working towards the change and actually putting your resume together, putting your LinkedIn profile together and talking about yourself 
you know, in the, in the guise of that new position, you really start feeling whether or not this feels right to you before you, you know, you have to accept a job. And so I always tell people, you know, get started with some of the mechanics, with looking at the companies that are playing in that space, with actually looking at their career sites or looking at job boards and just reading about the jobs in that space and, and going, you know, a few steps further and, and seeing how comfortable you feel. So I always try to get people to just do some activity and not just try to think their way through a career change. But in the case of, let's say, a career change light where you're changing perhaps one thing, you know, one example is I worked with a general manager in the pharmaceutical uh, industry, and he had always wanted to run a biotech startup. So pharma, biotech, actually two very, very different sectors, and so he really had to research a whole new set of companies, but what he was keeping constant was his general management skills. In his case, he had run these very, very large divisions, and now he's trying to run a much smaller uh, operation, and so he really needed to be seen as someone who could be an innovator, someone who could roll up his sleeves and actually not have a team of dozens of people. He could do it himself with a very small team, and one of the ways that we rebranded him, essentially, because as a career changer, you have to rebrand, was, of course, in how he spoke about himself, so that he needed to talk about instances where he did start something new. So instead of talking about perhaps a turnaround situation or shepherding a large, complex project, which would be really interesting for large, complex companies, but irrelevant in a startup situation, he uh, talked about instead, you know, the more innovative projects, the projects that had smaller teams but still had a big impact, you know, so that he could be effective in a similar environment that he would face once he made the career change. He also had to meet completely new people. So we had to to get him out of kind of the pharmacy, you know, the pharmaceutical conferences and more into the biotech, the investor, the VC conferences, and meet a whole new set of people. So these are, you know, examples of kind of the steps that you need to take as you rebrand yourself. Mm-hmm. So essentially, he took some steps to really familiarize himself with the industry, to have exposure, to meet people in the business, to really be present for what was current in the industry as well, so that he could draw that into the conversation. So you're kind of transitioning in a sense, before you actually transition by immersing yourself more in the culture of the new environment that you'd like to transfer into. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to, you have to know how people in your new target career, you know, what they care about, how they talk, the specific jargon, the specific key phrases that they use. Um, You really want to know culturally and what the environments are like. Um, And, and again, what the, what the big problems are that they're trying to solve so that you can come in as someone who isn't just an outsider and saying, oh, please, you know, hire me. I'll learn about it when I really care. It's, you know, if you really care, if you have a genuine interest, you're going to dive in now whether or not you have a job. And so there are many things that you can do short of joining a company and being in your new career. There are many things you can do um, on the side, you know, like those conferences, like reading up on, on kind of that inside information and really start projecting to other folks that, you know, I belong in this new career. Mm -hmm. It also sounds like 
it ties into your point about just choosing something, not really getting stuck on the issue of choice. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you start the activity, it really can help you refine uh, you know, if you've made, say, uh, an incorrect choice to start. So I had a client who knew she didn't want to do banking anymore and, and really wanted to do uh, something she thought around the leadership development space. And she thought that way because she had been uh, on the board of several nonprofits and she was really interested in kind of leadership, mentoring. You know, she, she couldn't quite put her finger on it. And so when we were brainstorming ideas, we came up with, perhaps an interest in HR. So she was going to go from being a banker into human resources and we we really tried to move, you know, in in that direction. And so in doing that she would rewrite her resume to focus more on the mentorship, on the, the leadership. She'd be looking at companies and, and HR associations and leadership development uh, types of jobs. And as she was doing that, she started to, to really think about, you know, I actually don't want to do this per se. I'm actually interested in leadership development as it pertains to a younger population, the earlier population. So I don't want to be HR for a company. She ended up being director of community outreach and development for the public school system of a major metropolitan city. So that was the shift that she made. She realized that she wanted to focus on the development you know, of children. So she, she focused on K through 12. And so it was related to what she thought initially, but it certainly wasn't exactly that. But in, in taking those steps, that was where she could really start to get specific and feel like, what is it that I like and what is it that I don't like, and then get a lot closer. Mm-hmm. So aside from that issue of choice that you're suggesting, really just stepping into the process and really benefiting from light when you actually begin to explore and do research, what are some of the other challenges that you're seeing people commonly experience when it comes to career change? Well, you know, it's interesting. If you've invested a lot of time and energy and your network is built around a certain industry, you know, let's take the the banker to education, you know, career change. That's a whole new set of people. Now, she had been volunteering for some nonprofits. Our network is, is more diverse than we usually think. You know, once we start to try and find people, um, we realize, oh, my goodness, that person knows this person, and it's it's much more diverse than we think. But at the same time, uh, you, it's it's more insular sometimes than, than we think. And so we realize, oh, you know, I know everybody in banking, but I really have not taken the time to uh, meet people outside or to get to know um, other things, you know, other ideas outside what I know. And so that can be a real stumbling block for people because you basically start as a beginner. You know, it's very unsettling for people to, to be back in that space where they might be very senior in, in the industry that they're leaving, and yet they come to another industry and, and they're the newbie, you know, and, and that's an unsettling feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's that whole issue. Sometimes we forget what it's like to start again and how far we've come in our current environments, building relationships and all of the other intricacies that really make you successful in what you do. Yeah. And, you know, we can always build on the strengths and the investments that we've made before, but we also have to be 
okay and comfortable with the discomfort, you know, with that mm-hmm. unsettling feeling that, gosh, there's going to be more to learn. We are going to have to meet new people, and we are going to have to accept the fact that, you know, what we might have thought as we're looking from the outside, you know, as we learn more about the industry or the new role that we're targeting, you know, we have to be open to accepting that I didn't know everything and that I need to to learn some new things and, and be okay with that. And then also that I need to meet new people and be okay, you know, talking about myself not just as the senior banker, but as, you know, someone who really cares about education and, you know, just really embracing kind of that, that new person that we're becoming to be relevant to that new career. Mm-hmm. And it also brings to mind how the protocols and norms are so different from one environment to the next. So when you think about entering a new environment in any situation, as you're implying, there's so much that you can't really be prepared for, how, however much preparation you invest in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, the the coda to the story that I, I used uh, about the, the banker turned educator, um, she actually realized being in um, education for a couple of years that that too wasn't exactly, you know, what, what she was looking at, that she really liked um, the K through 12. She really liked the mission, but she missed the pace of banking. She missed the the bottom line results, and you know, and that was something that she didn't realize. She took that for granted, having been in the industry for so long. So she actually now has a has a hybrid role. She's now a banker, but for education and nonprofit clients. And so she was able to go back to the private sector with its bottom line focus, but her client base and her mission is still around. Uh, education and some of the items that she cares about. So there's a way of finding exactly what we want, but we have to get started and be willing to experiment and be willing to kind of throw ourselves into something that's new. Right. So it's not just throwing yourself into an exploration process uh, to be able to refine your interests. It's actually sometimes you wind up landing an opportunity and being in it for a little while and realizing that you need to redirect again. However, it's giving you the piece, the additional piece that you need in order to bring your, your previous experience together with your new interest. Yeah, certainly in her case, I mean, she needed that stint in education proper to have that credibility to then go to education clients and, and really say, you know, I, I understand the challenges that you're facing. She was there firsthand. Mm-hmm. And thinking about this theme that you're talking about, the strategy of trying a career change light, have you worked with clients who have also, who have changed both their industry and their role? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I had a client who changed both her industry and her role, and she moved across the country at the same mm. time, which, which I feel like is the trifecta. I think that is the <laughs> hardest thing imaginable because she's uprooting even her, her life, you know, foundation. Um, it, it just so happened that it was one of these things that worked for her in the sense that, 
it was just the right time. She figured since she was making this big change, she had always wanted to move out west. Um, now would be the time to do it. Why not just launch the search out there? So the complexity, of course, is she's dealing with different time zones. She's dealing with additional expense of having to go out um, to the geography that she's looking at. And then in, in her case, she moved from journalism to PR. And so, you know, there was a little bit of a bridge there because she was the person that, you know, PR people are pitching to, and now she's on the other side of the fence. So she certainly wasn't so much of a newbie in that industry, but it is still a completely uh, different client set and and objective. And so she moved from journalism to PR, and then she moved from covering, you know, she had covered hard news, and then she was going to move into actually education. So it turned out that her first um, PR job was within um, a college. And so it was just an mm-hmm. interesting uh, an interesting shift for her because she really mm-hmm. had to find a completely different set of employers. She had to speak about her skills in a completely different way because she's, she's going to be doing a completely different job. And then, of course, she's selling her home. She's moving uh, you know, all sorts of changes at the same time. Mm-hmm. So why do you think actually all of those three changes happening at the same time and sometimes it occurs in our lives and we can't really prevent the fact that many changes descend on us at the same time, why do you think it worked for her? Well, I think it was a wake-up call for her. You know, I think it just focused her energy, um, you know, to say I'm starting anew. You know, there was a there was an inspirational quality about it. And so I don't advise that people do that. I advise that people try to get their inspiration just internally and say, you know, let's let's do something that's less disruptive. Um, but but again, I mean, this is part of the experimentation, right? I think that had she been happy, you know, living where she was living, she might have stayed where she was because she realized that um, that it is really difficult to make a role change and an industry change and that it was very complicated to then uh, layer on top of that the move out west. But she didn't want to wait any longer. And, and like you just said, Hemda, sometimes life just moves us in a direction where it is necessary to make a lot of changes at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I guess like invest, any kind of investment, it also depends on what your risk tolerance is. And some people somehow uh, wind up managing more extreme situations and it can be exciting. And then at the same time, you certainly have the reality check of dealing with all of the shifts that you need to make. Yeah, you know, really lit a fire under her when she was taking her trips out west to look at uh, housing situations and, and just to, to kind of make the move happen. She would also layer on top of that her job search, and it made her incredibly focused because she would be out there for a week, maybe 10 days, and she had to get those meetings. You know, it wasn't like someone who was there all the time who could – you know, not make that one extra call because, hey, I can call them next week. She knew I need to get in front of these prospective employers now because after this, I'm going to be back home and it's going to be that much harder. And so it, it made her so focused and so determined. Mm-hmm. So here's a point about really exercising our change muscles in general in our lives to help keep us fluid. Uh, We're going to go to a brief commercial. When we return, Caroline will share a third strategy for success as a career changer. Stay with us to hear more.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Imagine you hired a designer to redo your kitchen. Working with an expert to meet your needs was such a high. You're enjoying the new feature so much that you're waking up early to write the book that's been in your head for five years. The raised Caesar stone countertop and cushioned back stool are your writer's desk. With this comes the realization that all of the rooms in your home need to be redone to match the level of your kitchen. This scenario demonstrates my approach to executive and lifestyle coaching. It involves understanding what compatibility means to you at different times in relationships, career, nutrition, and other quality of life areas. It's also about elevating your game personally and professionally. Given my multidisciplinary expertise, we can address a range of needs that are critical to your fulfillment and success. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, Managing Director of Life and Career Choices, a global executive coaching and concierge practice. Learn more about my services and contact me through lifeandcareerchoices.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. Got a question or comment for the show today? Please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to hosthemda at gmail.com. Now, back to Turn the Page. Welcome back. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, speaking with career coach and recruiter Caroline Siniza Levine about strategies for a successful career change. Caroline suggested starting out with changing either your industry or your role and not everything at once if you can manage that. We're going to wrap up with a third strategy. Look for a job as if you aren't a career changer. Caroline, tell us more about that. Yeah, it's just so important that you don't want to be an outsider looking in. You know, please hire me. I'm going to learn. We mm-hmm. talked about the pharmaceutical person who went to biotech conferences and who met the people and who steeped himself in the problems of that sector that he was trying to break into. And and part of that is because you want to be perceived already as belonging so that when you actually join a company, you're going to hit the ground running. You're going to make a contribution from day one. Nobody wants to be your training ground because, frankly, if you were so interested in the job, you would already know how to do it. We all know people who develop these amazing talents, you know, on the side, right? They just, they're, they're not a professional chef, but they're really good at cooking. Why? Because they'll take any extra time that they have and they'll, they'll read cookbooks and they'll experiment with different cuisines and they'll learn how to cook. And we can do that for the jobs that we say that we want and that we say we're so interested in. Mm-hmm. So it comes back to the point, like you said, that we were making earlier about experiencing a familiarity and also demonstrating a familiarity. You're someone who can come in and really add value and be able to meet some needs that are not currently met in the environment. Yeah, there are so many ways to use the skills 
um, outside of, say, paid employment. You know, your first career change doesn't have to be that paid job. It could absolutely be for um, a, a volunteer situation. It could be for a consulting project. You know, if I, if I go back to that biotech example, one of the things that he did, because he hadn't, built something from scratch. I mean, his whole background was working in these bigger companies. And so while he could point to sparks of innovation or, you know, perhaps a project here or there, he hadn't built something from the ground up. But he wrote a piece for um, a biotech publication, and it really spoke to that that launching piece, that commercializing piece, something that was missing in his background. He, he wrote about it, and he shared his ideas, and he actually got uh, the the post published, and then he got a lot of comments on it, and it really, you know, showed that he had an expertise there, even though he hadn't, say, done it on the job. You know, so that's one way that you can do that. The uh, the banker turned educator, like I said, she had been on boards and had done some leadership development work, and in fact, had started a mentorship program right where she was at the bank. And so she had some wins that she could point to and say, you know, this isn't just something I I rolled out of bed and I decided to change my career. You know, I've been investing in this for some time. You know, people want to know that your interest is genuine. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense that what would prompt an interest in career change actually is a valid interest that you have that you've been investing in over time and really you're zooming in on that in your marketing and your resume and other items that you're using to marketing yourself to really show people that it's been already in your work experience. Yeah, and it's also a great way to experiment because I always tell people how disruptive is it to quit your job? I call it quitting your job and joining the circus. You know, you just assume that the Mm -hmm. career change is exactly what you want. You quit your job, you get this other job, and then you realize, whoa, this wasn't what I thought. It's so much better if you do a consulting project or a volunteer project or something, you know, on the side. I mean, I love to teach. It's a big part of what I do now uh, in in my work. And I started teaching when I had a big corporate job. I mean, I didn't wait till I launched my own company or I, I formally, you know, needed to have, let's say, a, a teaching uh, position under my belt to, to fortify my coaching business. It was something that I did while I was doing other things, um, both to, to prove to myself that, yes, this is a, a major interest of mine, and then also to practice the skills and get the skills, you know, before just jumping into something. Mm-hmm. And along the lines of that suggestion, so essentially you're looking at maybe smaller ways that you can really start to engage some of the skill sets that are going to help to sell you for your next opportunity. And when I say small, I'm not, I'm not saying not important, but what I mean is finding something where you actually have kind of a permeable point of entry that you can gain that experience. It might be a little bit easier to access than the larger opportunity that you might be seeking later on. Yeah, absolutely. You want to become the change, you know. So part of it is the experimentation, the reading, the attending the conferences, the meeting people. You know, these are these are really small steps, very little investment. You're getting just more information and you're getting more secure that, yes, this is a genuine interest. Now I have more information. I can be a credible, you know, subject matter 
expert. And now I'm going to start doing something. So whether it's teaching a class in it or whether it's volunteering or consulting, now I'm going to start to actually use my skills and create some product, create some results. And so now the line between career outsider versus insider is really blurred because you might have a full-time job doing something else, but now you're pretty steeped in this new career you're trying to get into. And in this way, you can credibly, especially if you do have work product or you do have results that you can show, you can very credibly point to yourself as, as not an outsider, that you've already made this career change. And it's just a question of being hired in a job that reflects this new career. Mm-hmm. So essentially, you've been building your business case over time, so to speak. Absolutely. And that's the best way to get a job because, again, the prospective employer doesn't want to feel like they're the training ground for you. You know, they want to know that you can hit the ground running and add value from day one. And at the same time, you've proven to yourself that you're genuinely interested. You've proven to the market that you're genuinely interested and that you have the skills and the expertise to hit the ground running and to add value from day one. Mm-hmm. Caroline, I'd love to talk a little bit about networking since that's such a key term that's been used for a long time now related to job search and career change. And just to get some thoughts on your part about what recommendations you would offer people to really be able to make fruitful outreach and also to make productive use of the conversations that we have. Yeah, so for career change specifically, you know, your network needs to expand, you know, because typically your network is going to be based around your professional contacts, you know, what you've done in the past. And so, you know, one of the things you have to embrace is I'm going to have to meet new people. The other thing, too, is that the people who know you for being, you know, in the pharmaceutical business or uh, for being a banker or, in my case, for being a recruiter, you know, before I added coaching to that, they're going to see you a certain way. And so it's just harder for them to see you in a new light. And so that also points to the reason why you want to expand your network and add some new people. And so you want to be thinking about, you know, how do I do that? And obviously, professional associations, conferences, or even just, you know, being clear to the contacts that you do have about the types of people or specific people that you're trying to meet and getting those introductions and coming up with a plan and saying, you know, I'm going to meet five new people a week or one new person a week. Um, Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I think giving yourself some milestones will help put some structure to networking because I think if we just say you need to network more, people are going to look at you with a blank face and not not know what that means. Mm -hmm. Right. And also um, in terms of the focus and the confidence around having conversations with people, as you're saying, really showcasing yourself as someone who's prepared to really add a lot of value. One of the suggestions that I got actually, when I was in a corporate environment, I was looking to go go into healthcare. My manager at the time in my corporate environment suggested that I create a job description for myself that essentially stated what it was that I was looking to do. And I found that to be a really helpful process, not just in terms of gathering thoughts, but really um, having something solid and concrete to share with people. And so it, so his recommendation was that I send that to people that I knew to get some suggestions from them. 
And one of my friends actually sent it to someone who had been her former manager who was thinking about taking a position, a new position. And he said, yeah, I'd love to talk to you. And then it turned out months later, he actually created a position for me to come on board to work with him in this healthcare environment. So I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are about a strategy like that. Well, I think that's a great strategy, and I think it really supports that that second point that we were discussing around the, the pull versus the push, you know, focusing on where you want to go. So many times in even like a networking interaction, when we introduce ourselves, we talk about kind of the past things that we've done, the job that we have now. And when you're a career changer, you really want to focus on where you want to be going. So certainly writing a job description so that you're super clear about that pull factor, about directionally where you're moving towards, as opposed to focusing on what you've done, that's so effective. And giving people information about what it is that you're looking for, what your objectives are, that's really what's going to help them help you. You know, I always say that if you're not getting what you need from your network, it's because you're not asking the right questions. You're not being mm-hmm. specific enough. You're not asking for what you need. People do want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Right, and keeping in mind also, not everyone is going to respond the same way as, let's say, this person who I wound up working with in healthcare. Not everyone is, is going to have that approach because in some environments there is a lot more structure and people are, they th- they're thinking a little bit differently. You know, he happened to be just very broad-minded and visionary, and he saw how the strengths that I brought could really fit into the environment and help with some of the change initiatives that he was looking to work on. So just keeping in mind, I had other conversations with people who didn't have the same response that he did. Well, a successful networking outcome isn't, just a job lead, right? It could be um, another networking person that you, you know, another person to network with. It could be a piece of information that will enable you to be more effective in your next networking interaction. It could be just encouragement to keep going. Yes, you're on the right track. So just because you don't get a job lead out of something doesn't make the networking a waste of time. Um, you, You are getting something from all of these interactions. Right, just looking at it as an opportunity to gain knowledge and, and just information that's going to help to guide your search process. And it might take, take you to other environments. It's part of the strategizing, right, that you're getting information, you're thinking, um, well, maybe as an example, not, not to be stereotypical, but let's say in a larger environment, um, let's say a person's having a hard time making a case and they've talked to a lot of different people in large environments and they might find a smaller company, a midsize or smaller company that's growing uh, that is looking for someone with real a uh, real diversity of skills. Yeah, and at the end of the day, when I encourage people to network more, especially reconnecting with their professional contacts from before, you know, sometimes all it is is they rekindle friendships, and even that is that's a win. Mm-hmm. Right. So every it's there are a lot of tiny steps in the process, and it sounds like, in your view, all of those steps are really instrumental to being able to lay the foundation and and to help someone to direct, really, and to focus, as you're saying. Yeah, you just want to look directionally. You know, your networking is paying off. Like I said, it could be a job lead. It could be information. It could be a friendship and, you know, just the encouragement to keep going. There are lots of reasons why it pays to network. Mm -hmm. So we have just about a minute left before we wrap up. 
Are there any other key points that you think would be helpful to share? You know, the one thing that I'd love to leave listeners with is just this notion of starting today. You know, there were so many things that we talked about um, from creating that 100 dreams list and picking something, whether it's watching movies or getting fresh flowers or whatever. There are so many ways that you can start small and start today and, and not think that your next career is somewhere out in the distance, that you can be doing something right now that will bring you closer to that ideal career. Yeah, and it seems that you really have been describing that process that Sometimes career change can feel like something that's way out there, and the tactics that you shared are really really help to establish some grounding, and there's a, a path, really, and a um, plan that you can initiate just by taking some steps. Absolutely. And so it, it pays to, to start now because there are a number of steps, and so you, you want to get going. Mm-hmm. So, Caroline, thanks for that inspirational wrap-up to all of these great tax, tactics. Start today is what we're leaving with. If you'd like to learn more about Caroline's services, please visit her website at sixfiguresstart.com. That's S-I-X-F-I-G-U-R-E start.com. And read her most recent book, Jump Ship, 10 Steps to Starting a New Career, published recently by Forbes. It is, right, Caroline? That's right. And also available on Amazon? Yes. Okay, wonderful. And if you have questions related to today's show, please email them to me at hosthemda at gmail.com. We'll post responses through our social media sites. So follow me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and like us on Facebook at Turn the Page Radio. Thanks for joining us. Until next week, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi with Turn the Page. Thank you for tuning in to our program. Turn the Page can be heard live every Friday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week's show, enjoy your weekend and make one change in your life before then.